that's one segment. All right. Good stuff. My throat is so dry today. I don't know why. Struggling to talk. <laughs> All right. So this, now the last segment that we'll do here, this is coming out of the interview. So we'll talk about the interview a little bit, and then we'll just go wherever we go. So, and is Johnny Kelly still coming on tonight or not? Johnny is not coming on. He had, He's he not had coming sin- on tonight. He had sinus surgery today. Okay. Well, That's my bit he- still works because he plays yeah. in a band with the He's crowbar the guys. So. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, no, he, he, Todd tagged in because Johnny had some kind of emergency sinus surgery today. Okay. So, so no other guests tonight. No other guests. Okay. So we'll just riff for another half hour or so and then we'll Okay. Done. Quick Sounds and easy. Good. All, all right. right, here we go. <clears throat> all right, right back here. Oh, Jesus. One more time. <clears throat> all right. Good Lord. Come on, voice. Right back here. <laughs> God damn it. This is why I hate doing pre-records. It's just so much easier to just do it. But all right, here we go. Right back here on Chris Aiken Presents with Chris and Eric. And uh, Eric, what you think of um, Todd Strange, man? Cool guy, right? He is a cool guy. I mean, he's a little intimidating. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Very cool nonetheless. Yeah, no kidding. Don't don't cross him the wrong way or you'll be food for the bison. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be getting hit with a crowbar. That's right. Or, or run over with a tractor or something. Dude, <laughs> isn't, it a, isn't it weird how these guys... You know, when they get out of music, it's it's always weird or fascinating to me to hear what they do when they get away from music. You know, because most of the guys that I know, and probably you as well, music's all they've ever done. You know, like like Steven. Steven does not have a lot of stories about, you know, working at a grocery store or, or being a farmer. You know, Steven's been a rock star since he was like, what, 18 years old or whatever. Well, certainly playing that long, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, but I don't think he's, I'm sure he had jobs before he was, you know, before Rat took off, but. Not many. It kind of does piss you off a little to find that out. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, especially for normal people like me who've, who've, uh, you know, been fired more times than a Civil War musket. (laughs) Uh, I think he's only had maybe two jobs, two two quick jobs, you know, as as a youngster there. And none of them were serious. They were. He wasn't no. building a career. He was making enough money so he could fund Mickey Rat. Is what he was doing. Right. You know. So yeah, I mean, it's it's weird when you hear about guys that have had success, like Kurt or like um, Todd, rather. And you know, and then and then he's like, yeah, I own a farm. I've got donkeys and chickens, and you know, it's like, wow, who would have thought? <laughs> you know, too funny, but. Good guy. Uh, check out I am. Um, just look look them up. They're pretty much all over. Go to their homepage, Google Google dot com, and look them up, and you'll find them. So um, I am is the band. Great great stuff. More stuff coming, and um, we will hear more from them. I'm sure in the future. But but moving forward, dude. I don't know if you saw this news in the in the um, world of rock and roll, but there was sort of a shakeup. In a band that that has shakeups, a lot of shakeups. The band, ah! yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's what I wonder if it's how it went. 
Uh, John Karabi, who I'm sure you've run into on the road. Huh? huh? Yes. That. Oh, okay. did I? Did, did, no, did you're I good. Me? You're good. It just it just kicked out for me. <laughs> now you, you you know John. Affirmative. Okay. Yes, I've met John of several, not several, but I guess a handful of occasions, sure. if you will. Well, he has returned to the Dead Daisies. Yeah. Re- replacing uh, Glenn Hughes. Mm-hmm. Another great and you, musician. And you know who Glenn Hughes replaced? No. John Karabi. <laughs> what is going on? That's it's the dude, that band. That is this the is incestuous. It's the weirdest band ever. You know, they're a band that 99% of the people can't name a single song by. You know, can you can you name a Dead Daisy song? Negative. Yeah, that's that that's how most people are, but it's fu- it's an all-star band obviously. It has you know Doug Aldridge is in it. Right. Uh, Marco Mendoza's been in it. They've had a litany of sing- now they've I think Karabi is the third he's the second and the fourth singer. They had um they started with John Stevens from In Excess. Then they had Karabi, then they had Glenn Hughes, now they're back to Karabi. So the, it, it's this you know, Brian Tichy's in that band now. Uh, Dean Castronovo has been in that band at one time. It is a true look. The bottom line to that band is that they've got the one guy, the guitar player, David Lowy, who's like a billionaire. And it's his plaything. And my assessment is it's his plaything. And from, from talking to these guys kind of on the record and some off the record, he makes it well worth their while to be in that band. It's like if you're in that band, you might as well be in Metallica. You're being first class treatment. They fly right. private jet to every place that they go. You know, there's no busing. There's none of that. You Are know, they looking they, for a guitar player? Is there anything <laughs> going on with uh, Doug Aldris? Is he under the weather? Well, you could, you could, you know, Brian, don't you, Brian Tichy? You know I do. He's a fantastic drummer, man. He's a really great drummer. You ought to reach out to him and say, hey, if uh, Doug's ever under the weather, you know, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, willing to fly on a private jet, <laughs> but awesome. yeah, it's the weirdest thing with that band, man. They're because the guy has a ton of money. I that's why they get all the breaks that they've gotten. I think, and I like them. I'm not trying to say it like they're a shit band or not. They're a great band. I I really enjoy them, but they had a ton of momentum going with Karabi that first time. Like they were. They were going strong. They opened a Kiss tour. You know, I don't know if they bought onto it or not, but they they still opened for Kiss for extended dates, which is, you know, that's about as good of exposure as you can get. And then they just fired Karabi and went with Hughes. So they, you know, and and, I mean, Hughes obviously is fantastic, but. Well, obviously it must have been on good terms. It wasn't like you fired, you know, it's like they had an opportunity more. It sounds more like an opportunity to have him come in. Well, yeah. I mean, he came in under, it's, it's a weird thing. And I, I'm, I'm going to speak out my ass a little bit here. I don't know this to be true or not, but I've heard that the whole dead daisies thing is definitely under first thing you do before you, before you are in the band is sign the NDA. Okay. And Fair you know, enough. it's run uh, like we, business. Chris and I didn't sign one. No, we did not sign one. I didn't sign one. Um, 
But if you, I've followed this band kind of since the start, and certainly with Karabi, who's one of my absolute favorite singers of all time. That Motley Crue yeah. record to me is untouchable. Right, but um, um, I've never, not one time, and there's been like 20 people through that band, there has not been one ounce of, fuck those guys. No, nothing. It's all, even when Karabi, yeah. and I know Karabi was fired, not not his contract ran out. I know for a fact that that happened. And he and I know for an absolute fact that he wasn't happy. But okay. um not a word. Not a single word was ever uttered like these guys fucked me over or you know it it literally was like, well, they're on to Glenn Hughes now. <laughs> that was the line. And like even now with Hughes, Hughes is out there on tour. He's, he just announced the tour. He's doing like a co-headline tour with Ingve Malmsteen, where Malmsteen is doing his greatest hits, and then Hughes is doing the 50-year anniversary of the Burn album from Deep Purple, He's playing it from start to finish, which is cool. I've seen that tour, and it's great. But um, Glenn Hughes, not a peep, <laughs> not a word, not word one out of him about leaving the Dead Daisies. Not even a post saying, "Hey, I won't be with that band any longer." Just. Hey, here's my new tour. I'm out with with Ingve. Come and see wow. me. You so know, he's singing for in Ingve's band now. No, no, no. He's singing in his. He's, dude. It's the coolest. I, I I'm not a Deep Purple fan. Not, let me take that back because I don't want it to sound the wrong way. You don't like the Doors, and you don't like Deep Purple. I do not bro. like the Doors. I like Deep Purple. I don't love Deep Purple enough to dive deep into the records and be like. Dude, you know, this track or that track. I I my deep purple appreciation is the same deep purple appreciation anybody that has a classic rock station has. Sure. I like smoke on the water. I like knocking at your back door. I like you know perfect strangers. Perfect strangers. Um, you know, but if you ask me, I like burn, I like highway star, I like all the mm -hmm. very peripheral songs of Deep Purple. I'm not a not a deep dive guy into them at all, but I, I went, my, my girl Kelly loves deep purple. So we went, um, this is literally as a week before I saw you with bow, wow, wow. I okay. is right before the pandemic and Hughes came here to Cleveland doing just this, this tour. He played the burn album start to finish. And it was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. You know, that, that old, that dude may be old as dirt, but he can bring it. And he had a fantastic band with him. And he, I mean, he just brought it. And the cool thing about, it, I don't know if he's still doing it on this tour, but on that tour with your tickets, or I don't remember if it was with your tickets or if you had to buy it, but I bought it or became whatever. You got a recording of the show. So it was pretty cool. You would, you'd go to the show and then like a day later, you get an email like here. Here's your recording of the show that you were at. It, you know, it was just a cool thing. It was cool to, it was cool to see. And I've seen that before. You go to a website and you get your download yeah. or your photo you took. Yeah, and, and, and that's cool. I mean, it's it's definitely cool. My thing though is with that going back to Dead Daisies. Sure, I'd like to hear what happened. I'd like to know if. You know, if there was a bad blood or a blood or not, and it looks like we're never going to know that about any of the guys that have left that band, you know, which is, I don't know. You're in a band, man. Is it better or worse that everything is just 
just, you know, people are in, people are out, nobody knows why. We should all have to sign NDAs. (laughs) (laughs) But is that better or is that worse? I mean, I, I get the, I get the internally it's probably better that nobody's out there shit talking anybody else. But I, I almost wonder if externally, by not acknowledging it, if every interview you do, you get the question and you 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 politely dodge where it gets annoying. Like, like I don't know. I'm sure Steven is tired as yeah. fuck of being asked about, hey, is there going to be a rat reunion? What's going on with Warren and Juan and, and Bobby? Are, are you getting back to, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. Steven has, and I've interviewed Steven and asked that dumb question. And, you know, I'm sure he gets tired of finding a million different ways to say none of your fucking business. Right. Uh, well, let me ask you, have any of the guys from, from the dead daisies that you have, you interviewed any of them since they've been in this band? Like, did they tell you that before the interview? Did they go, look, we signed these things. So don't ask me about this, that, or this. I have not heard it from the band. I'll put it that way. But I know a lot of people in their circle right. that have told me that. Okay. Yeah, because if I if I had something that I couldn't say, I would probably tell the interviewer ahead of time. Yeah. Save us some time here in awkwardness and just stay off this. Like, ask me mm-hmm. about this. That. Which even the interviews that I've done, that comes up. They usually ask that kind of thing. Is it okay to ask about that or this? Yeah. They want to know ahead of time. Well, how many uh, interviews have you done that you didn't have to talk about? Have you been asked to be in Rat? Uh, most of the ones in the in the last uh, couple of years, I haven't. But uh, okay. that's come up. But I didn't used to do a ton of interviews. Right. I was uh, almost intentionally kind of flying under the radar for a long time there. Right. And now, you, until until you became a celebrity here on Chris Aiken Presents. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was tapped for fame by that's Mr. Right. Aiken over here. <laughs> I think you were tapped for fame long before I found you. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me how a band and you could talk on this dude, because you, you know, you're, you're in a band, you know, is it difficult to switch guys back and forth? Oh, that's a great question. It's, it is, it can be difficult. Um, because depending, especially depending on the band, there could be a, certain feels certainly with rat music mm-hmm. you know blotzer had a very kind of specific feel uh the guitarist definitely had a very kind of unique sound like people think playing the rat songs is pretty easy and i think most guitar players know at least a couple rat riffs i know sure. i always did even before playing with steven sure. but they're probably playing them wrong for right. for one and two, uh, getting the sound, it's like, it's harder than you think. Just the little things, you know, on the rhythm, mm-hmm. just even like how long you're kind of holding the, right. you know, it's kind of, it's all in the hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as far as guitars and things, uh, certainly there's like a learning curve there when guys come in for whatever reason. Um, Chris Hagar was pretty uh, smooth because he was a Mickey Rat guy. Right to start with. So that was pretty seamless there as far as him knowing uh, that vibe. Um, But drummers, you know, different drummers can change the feel of a band. Sure. Um, But, you know, over the 20, over 20 years I've been in the band, I've, I, we have, you know, unfortunately gone through 
a good amount of guys for whatever sure. reason. Um, but this is probably the most, the, the lineup now is, is probably the most praised lineup so far that people have said sound the best. Right. So I'll, I'll give the current boys that. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know what, dude, it's, it's funny because the, the one instrument and you mentioned it that I don't think people give enough credit to, but it, it, it jumps out at you when it changes is the drummer, right. you know, and, and I'll point to like, use your illusions, Guns and Roses. You compare Use Your Loose. If you listen to Civil War, which was the only song that Adler played on, and then all the rest of it's Matt Sorum, mm-hmm. it sounds like two different, it's not totally different bands, but there's a huge difference in sound. In, Definitely. In feel. Nobody plays the Guns N' Roses songs as good as Steven Adler. Nobody. Yeah. There isn't a drummer out there alive that can. Uh, we are actually playing with him uh, coming up at okay. a casino in Oklahoma. And I don't want to mess this up, but uh, the date is going to be Friday the 2nd. Of June? Of June. Okay. Yep. And uh, I guess they're going to open up, but his band's phenomenal. And it's almost kind of like, oh, they're, they're actually a lot better than Guns N' Roses. You know, as far <laughs> as, just the overall, I mean, they sound exactly like the Appetite era, sure. except more in tune and less flubs and the singer's yeah, that, I don't know the singer's name, but man, he's great. Yeah. It's like effortless for him to do the Axel thing, which just... Uh, yeah. it's, I, I guess once every you know forty years somebody comes along that can do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's too bad it ain't Axel these days because <laughs> he's not good anymore. Or he's it's not a, as well, good. It's an age thing, and it's mm-hmm. and it is a bummer, you know. And it's it's for it's all of us. It's so rare that somebody can continue to sing at the level they always did beyond their sixties mm-hmm. or seventies. You know, there's always going to be a, a a weaker delivery you think over time yeah uh is it me and it could very well be me but is it me that is alone in thinking that guns and roses as it's constituted now kind of has lost the lost the message of what it used to be with the two keyboard players and right you know nothing against frank farrar i mean I, i like frank as a drummer but he is as he's like a mechanical drummer he's right he's very timely i mean there is a band that he could be awesome in i just think it's not this band it's not guns and roses yeah obviously a phenomenal drummer there's he's a great drummer but i I always think he's very mechanical he's very precise and -hmm. i don't think that fits for guns and roses i don't think guns and roses needs a precise guns and roses needs a little bit of sloppy on everything and it's uh and, and there's a also a swing with some players yeah that other players are great too they just don't have the exact same swing you know eddie van halen has had a a freaky swing to his playing mm-hmm. that even on fast stuff you don't realize that he's actually swinging it uh where other guitar players are more just straightforward metal guys they don't yeah. have that same thing it doesn't mean they're not good they they can play some very technical guitar mm-hmm. stuff but it's just it's a swing thing and i just yet to see any other drummer come into gnr and yeah it has not have it be well, a noticeable difference in the drum and that's the thing with the you know the the drummers that gnr has had matt sorum's another guy that's very matt sorum is very much you know 
mechanically perfect. You know, I mean, he's he's his timing right. is perfect. He's very solid. He's a very he's a solid player, but you know, has the swing of a brick wall. Just none. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't have any swing to his playing, and it it, it showed in GNR, and it showed in Velvet Revolver as well. Velvet Revolver felt like appetite for destruction. GNR, it didn't feel like, or not appetite, but you it's more like Stone Temple Pilots feel. Yeah, yeah, right. it was very, very clean, very, you know, right. crisp. You know, and and I, you know, I know I've seen the closest I've seen good doing GNR was when I saw Slash with uh, Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. When they play like Mr. Brownstone or whatever, that's as good as anything that you'll hear anywhere because Miles is a phenomenal singer and right. everybody in that band is just like Slash handpicked him to be his GNR when there was no GNR Yeah, he even him. gave him the uh, featuring Miles Kennedy yeah. moniker, yeah, which, which is a big compliment to do it that. is a big compliment you, you would think it yeah you would think it'd be slash featuring slash yeah but instead it's instead it's the most ridiculously long name in the history of rock and roll slash featuring miles kennedy and the conspirators and what Volume is everybody two, book yeah, one but what does everybody call it slash you know <laughs> nobody calls it even slash featuring miles kennedy it's just slash i'm glad he did that band because it did uh, showcase all how good a guitar player Slash can be. You know what mm-hmm. I mean when he's playing those conspirator songs. They're different oh, than GNR stuff. Dude, those albums are fantastic. Those are those are some. I think there's four of them, and they're all great. Mm-hmm. You know, great stuff. I'm a huge. I'm a big Slash guy. I mean, I, and it's a weird thing because as much as I'm a huge fan of Slash, I don't think he's this amazing guitar player. Like you know, I mean, he's he's definitely regarded as a guitar hero but i yeah. think it's more look and attitude than it is his playing he's he a truest is that a yeah, word no. truest truest <laughs> i know maybe i just made that up but uh you know just just somebody that's uh can can stick to that style you know like mm-hmm. that classic rock aerosmith uh yeah. style like he never veered from it and did something different he he is that through and through, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what shines with him. Sure. You know? Although I do think his his hero that you mentioned, Joe Perry, much better player. Uh, yeah, I think they're similar, man, in a, in a lot of ways. But certainly, you know, Joe was doing it first, maybe, sure. you know, obviously. But, uh, you know, Slash, at such a young age, really understood that form right. of playing, where Slash is a little bit older than me. Um, but for me, like I was getting into thrash metal and stuff Sure. where that kind of, I don't know how that was for my playing or not, you know, maybe not great. Cause that kind of takes you a little bit away from the classic rock and doing a more right. down, down picking aggressive kind of feel on guitar and a little bit getting away from the swing sure. of the classic rock stuff. But he certainly at a young age had it down. I mean, you know, he's an old soul in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. When you no. when you think of like Appetite for Destruction, just how much he nailed it. And that was before Pro Tools. Right. Okay. Yeah. And you're you're hearing a real live rock guy playing that right. record. Yeah, exactly. And, and wow. It, it, I, I mean, I knew though, because being a fan of Aerosmith, when I heard it, I, I it took me a while to kind of get used to Axel's voice. Mm-hmm. It was almost comical to me a little bit that no, 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 no,
<laughs> we'd be like right. sitting, making fun of that with our friends and stuff. But I listened to the record because the music was so good. Oh yeah. Especially the guitar oh. and everything. It was just so fat and solid and consistent and the drums and the bass. It just, it just had a very distinct uh, sound there. And it's not, none of those guys are easily, you know, replaced. How was yeah. the bass player at Conspirators doing all that stuff? Does he do oh, like the Todd, damn it. Todd, Todd, Todd yeah. Kearns. He's great. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Todd. He, 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 not only does he do that, but he sings, like he sings his his band Heroes and Monsters, which we've had on this show. That's right. Um, uh, Todd Todd sings as well, and even in the shows, he what song did, he sings a GNR song in the shows. You know, he he does the Axel. You know, so I mean, he's an amazing singer, but yeah, he's great bass player. I mean, uh, Slash handpicked even when he was doing Slash's Snake Pit before this band, he handpicked those guys to be able to play that dirty rock guns and roses sound. And for my money slash had slash snake pit had two records. Um, ain't life grand. And, um, what's the other one It's 10 o'clock somewhere. That was his first solo band, right? Yeah. Snake pit. Mm -hmm. And And I'll just tell you the, the second album that he put out ain't life grand is one of my top, probably 15 albums of all time. Okay. It's and no one knows it. I mean, there's, there no, there wasn't. I don't think there was a hit on it or anything, but it is, it's Appetite for Destruction Part Two. It really is just a dirty rock record. The, the Slash's guitar work is filthy, and like the songs are kind of dirty, you know, which was a hallmark of one of the reasons that I think for me anyway, and probably for a lot of people that we got into Appetite. It was because we were in the world of poison at that point. We were in the world of ride the wind. You know, that's what we were listening to at that point. And then here comes Guns N' Roses with kind of, they were like a better rock band than Motley Crue, but they had that same, (coughs) that same dirty message about, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take your credit card to the liquor store. Right. You just you just wait here and be my whore. You know, that kind well, of that, yeah. that kind of messaging. Welcome to know? the jungle was was the intro for everybody. And right. that oh, song yeah. was 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 uh obviously very dramatic oh, song. Yeah. Uh I think that was the first video. But for me it was it was the live at the Ritz that MTV oh, yeah. just played for like weeks on end and it so just good. showed this sweaty, dangerous kind of band that, mm-hmm. you know, just seemed like, you know, an Axel throwing a few fits during it. And like, yeah, they all had this charisma where you, you knew they were going to be huge. There was stuff I was hearing that sounded a little off, but it was cool because it was them really playing and you knew it. Right. Uh, and their legacy was born. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. It, and it's true. I mean, they were dude. I, I mean, I don't think they did it on purpose. And I think that's why they were successful. They just were dangerous. They, you know, I don't think that was an image. I don't know. I, I, I I mean, I call it when, when I, when I, I, there's been times as of recently, but I've, I've jumped out and fought people and stuff. And I, I call that going full Axel. (laughs) Nice. Uh, and I've gone full Axel a good handful of times in, in my band here. Uh, you know, but he's definitely the guy that you think of for jumping out in the crowd and beating somebody's ass or something. And and dude, I mean, there was such a stigma at the time. And I think people have forgotten that. I remember I went to see GNR and Skid Row at um, Shoreline, Shoreline Amphitheater up there in 
San Francisco, or I guess it's in like San Jose or somewhere, but it's close to San Francisco. And um, it was like a week after the St. Louis riots. Was, oh, remember, right. Remember they, when they, had they the didn't big, play or they stopped early or something? Yeah, they stopped early and the place went crazy and tore the place down. And I can remember when I was going to that show, my, my ex was like, you're not going to come home alive. Because she had just seen Guns N' Roses on the news with the place being tore to shit. And she was like, you're not going to come home alive. And, and she was scared, which made me want to go even more. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be in that mix. I wanted another riot to happen so I could be in that mix. Yeah. I wanted the craziness that, because that was the time, man. That was, you wanted to be associated with the insanity of Guns N' Roses and the insanity of Metallica and the insanity right. of that Slayer. band that was coming up known as Pantera. You know, yeah. there was, there was like a, a rage in, in us as fans and, Ah, those were good times. It ended, unfortunately, it just died. Like all of that oomph is has left. Right. I don't know if it was grunge or what, but you know, it just nobody ever had. Nobody has ever well, had. Pantera kind of kept it going through the '90s, pretty good, and um, yeah. you know, there was there was a few few bands. I mean, the music changed a little. Uh, the new metal genre yeah. but there was still heavy guitar stuff i mean if anything guitar solos are what went bye-bye for the longest time like pantera mm -hmm. was one of the few bands and they but they had been doing them since the 80s that's why yeah but any of the ones born that were coming out of the 90s weren't doing them or were doing very just noisy right uh solos um avenge sevenfold was a band i liked so, some sure. people don't i thought they were great as far as yeah. uh young guys coming out doing metal sure great guitar and there's, a, work. there's a few there's event sevenfold is definitely great I, i'm with you on them i i don't understand the hate for that band you know they they're they're modern but they brought they brought with them the the greatness of iron maiden so you know they're not right they're not horrible another great one no. that the guy was singing you got to give yeah. him kudos i mean they had a guy actually that could sing i mean to mm -hmm. me he did give me deep purple glenn hughes vibes or something sure. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. uh and then they had the git guitar double wizard wizardry going which really sure. actually compelled a lot of young kids to start playing guitar right which yeah, is I know. thank god you know that mm -hmm. they weren't buying turntables to right yeah, another band like that that never got the love that they should have was Trivium. Right. Trivium, when they came out, dude, that album, The Crusade, you might as well call that fucking Master of Puppets 2 because <laughs> it's it's all Metallica riffs. Matt Heffy, uh, right? The, the singer Heffy, Heffy. I've heard right. it both ways. No, he's, he's gotten his, his, his due. Um, he has his own guitar. Yeah. From Epiphone, I think. Um, mm hmm and uh definitely i mean um 20 years ago i knew young people that were really into them as a guitar band and wanting sure to learn some of that stuff mm -hmm. yeah uh, great, trivium great. songs fun to play metal is always fun to play on guitar when you're first start sure. starting out mm -hmm. 